You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how's it going? It's your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendous. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to our Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. This is going to be our second to last episode this week. And I appreciate you guys for checking back in with me here at the Locked On Rams pod. We're going to have a fun episode here for you guys today. And we're going to begin with a bombshell of an article from Lindsay Thyre of ESPN. She wrote an interesting piece as to highlighting the dynamic and the relationship between Sean McVay and I guess former quarterback Jared Goff and sort of how things went sour and really how everything went downhill so quickly. And then we're going to continue with the final two segments, highlighting the players that I got to study for the Big Board Thursday update. We didn't get to one last week because of free agency. So it's going to be fun to give you guys a bit of an update to my Big Board here. There have been at least four or five, maybe even six prospects that I got to watch over the last two weeks. So that is going to be fun to highlight. To begin this episode, though, I did mention that we will dive into this piece by Lindsay Thyre. And like I mentioned, it was an absolute bombshell. Very strange. You know, everyone should take the time to go read this article. If you're a Rams fan, if you're a Jared Goff apologist, if you want to know more about the dynamic of the relationship between head coach Sean McVay and former quarterback Jared Goff, you absolutely need to check this one out. It pretty much highlights everything you could possibly imagine in this article from where things went sour how they developed from you know good to bad and how things actually regressed between the two, all that stuff. And it's very interesting because Lindsay obviously included a bunch of different quotes in this article from whether they were team executives or front office members or guys from the coaching staff, players even. And you know, that's our first look into a lot of this stuff as to really what those guys thought. Because some of the stuff we could easily have speculated, and I guess we probably did over the last few months as to why, you know, the two broke up why the Rams decided to trade Jared Goff. Obviously, that had a lot to do with the regression in his play. You go look back to 2019, takes a massive step back after a very, very successful 2018 season. Then again, this past season takes another step back, turns into this turnover-prone, turnover-worthy quarterback who you know struggles to see down the field, struggles to identify coverages. And some of that stuff was highlighted in this article. And it actually said that you know Sean McVay went from essentially coddling him and not really treating him like everyone else on the team in the sense that if somebody else made a mistake, they were going to get their, quote, chewed our asses out. And, you know, if Jared Goff made a mistake, it was a lot of coddling. And then somehow things really turned into a 180 in the locker room. And Sean McVay started to, you know, on the sidelines during games, go up to Jared Goff, and there would be a shouting match between the two parties. And eventually Sean McVay, I guess, according to this article, would stop circling around to apologize, which was like a thing that, you know, they occasionally did on the sidelines was Jared Goff would probably turn the ball over or whatever the case may be, made a mistake. Sean McVay in the heat of the moment gets emotional, you know, yells and tells him whatever he's got to say as a coach, you know, take care of the football. The coverage was this. Why didn't you look at that? But for whatever reason, the relationship started to deteriorate between the two, which is interesting. Then you look at, you know, the fact that the Rams actually just said, 
Maybe we can't get back to the Super Bowl with this guy. At one point in their minds, they started to have this cloud develop over their head where they really started to believe that, you know, they maybe actually made a mistake by paying Jared Goff and were pretty much prepared to actually eat the L, so to speak, you know, eat the loss, take the big loss in terms of the dead money from the cap, all that stuff, which we know they obviously did this offseason and go out and go get a guy that they did believe could get them back there. And apparently, according to the article, one of the big reasons as to how that happened was when Jared Goff finally broke that thumb and was benched, so to speak, for backup John Wolford. Sean McVay apparently saw this new confidence in the locker room. Apparently, there was this new confidence from a lot of the players. Uh, John Wolford was a guy who kept coming in very early into the building and leaving very late, you know, the old adage of first one in, last one out. Uh, not only that, but he started to believe that, you know, Wolford was actually executing his offense better, started to see some of that mobility within the pocket, outside of the pocket, pushing the ball deep, all these kinds of things. And the quote from a Rams team source, which was very interesting, was the worst thing for Jared is that McVay got a taste of John Wolford. And that's really where things started to go south. Even another quote in this article said he didn't have the balls to sit Jared, most likely due to the contract, which I mean, it's a very tough thing and a very tough sell, obviously, for a franchise, for a fan base, for, you know, two guys like Sean McVay and Les Need to go up to their boss and Stan Kroenke and say, you know, yeah, we just paid this guy $140 million, but we're going to bench him for a guy who's making 900000 A lot of this stuff is stuff that fans don't really think about, don't really consider when it comes to the sports aspect of actual team building. And, you know, it makes sense because the optics of it are very, very bad, but at the same time, you got to do what you got to do to win football games. And according to this article, Sean McVay was fully prepared to start John Wolford going into that second game in the playoffs, traveling to Green Bay against the Packers. Apparently, Wolford was going to be the starter had he not been ruled out and had the head injury, neck injury not happen in Seattle the week prior. So that was unfortunate for John Wolford because I think we could have got to see a very fun game plan out of Wolford in that game. I would have been very intrigued and excited to see you know, what the backup, the undrafted kid, the little guy, the guy they call Baby Breeze, according to Lindsay, could have done in that environment. But at the end of the day, the Rams finally decided that, you know, this was no longer a relationship worth repairing. The two just were not going to work. Sean McVay, Jared Goff started a very nice relationship at the beginning, and it became fractured over time very quickly. And this article does a very, very good job at detailing why things went wrong, how they went wrong, what everyone inside that building was thinking from the dynamic between those two, the dynamic between McVeigh and Goff and the team. And then, you know, when you toss in Wolford, that whole dynamic as well. An incredible piece by Lindsay Thyre. I just want to say thank you to her for writing that because I feel like everyone deserved to know what went wrong here. And obviously everyone was incredibly vague. Jared Goff was never going to spill the beans. Sean McVay and Les Snead were never going to spill the beans. And they've always been guys that have been very well media trained. They never really say anything that they shouldn't say. So this was a great look into the locker room, into what happened between these two and why things inevitably failed between these two. That leads us into the next segment in which we're going to dive into our big board Thursday update. I have a bunch of players that I want to share my scouting reports on. And we're going to talk about those both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball in the next segment. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QBsMEP and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. 
Rock Auto is a family-owned business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years. There isn't a better time than right now to support a family-owned business, and I think we all know that with this strange COVID-related stuff that we're living in. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should just go check out Rock Auto. Go to their website and check out all of their available parts. It's a never-ending list, and if your car needs it, I bet they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best with their Built Bar March Madness style tournament. And today's matchup is between the Mint Brownie Bar and the Coconut Puff Bar. And I'm going to have to go with the Coconut Puff Bar personally. I mentioned it to you guys a couple of times already. Coconut and chocolate, there is no duo like it. I know it's a very interesting flavor for a lot of people. Some people very much love it. Some people absolutely hate the combo. I'm a coconut stan. I'm all in on the coconut. And the texture of this bar and all of their available bars are unreal. It's unlike any protein bar you've ever tried. I promise you that. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com or to their Twitter at Built underscore bar. And remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Big Board Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. It is your host, Sosa Kremenges, and I'm ecstatic that we get to bring this Big Board Thursday update back because last week we took the week off. We had free agency coming around. We were obviously in the thick of things. A lot of Rams players were exiting. The Rams actually added some guys, re-signed a few players. So I felt, you know, let's put it aside for a week. We'll shelf it. And we'll bring it back. And we still got upwards of 35, nearly 40 days to the NFL draft. So that is very exciting. And that gives us plenty of time to keep updating this list, keep bringing in new names, keep watching guys, giving you guys in-depth breakdowns of who I add to this list. And that's going to bring us right into the players that I think fit for not only the Rams on their big board, at least my big board related to the Rams, but also players that I think they could be interested in, positions that they may want to actually address. And that takes us into the actual big board update. I'm going to begin from the top down, and I'll specifically state which players I actually added going into this update. So from the top, offensive tackle Christian Derrissaw is the number one prospect. And going into number two, center Landon Dickerson. Number three, Jason Owe, the edge rusher. Number four, center Creed Humphrey. Number five, offensive tackle Dylan Radins. Number six, wide receiver Rondell Moore. Number seven, offensive tackle Jackson Carmen. Number eight, offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield. Number nine, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge. Number 10, linebacker Jabril Cox. Number 11, edge rusher Ronnie Perkins. Number 12, linebacker Jameen Davis. Number 13, linebacker Dylan Moses. Number 14, edge rusher Rashad Weaver. Number 15, edge rusher Joseph Osai. And number 16, offensive tackle Walker Little. And the names that I included on this update here that are new are edge rusher Jason Owe, center Creed Humphrey, and wide receiver Rondale Moore, all three of which ranked really high on this list, as you can imagine. I'm not sure that the Rams are going to have a very great chance to land some of these guys at the end of the day, 
But that doesn't really change our opinion of these guys. And at the end of the day, we still have to watch them and still give you guys a scouting report on who these guys are. Because every year, we always say, there's no way this guy's going to make it to that pick. And every year, somebody that we don't expect to make it to the pick makes it there. So we'll begin with the top and work our way down. The first name, edge rusher Jason Owe of Penn State. To preface all of it, absolute freak athlete. I mean, he's got a prototypical build, six foot five, 252 pounds at the edge spot. An impressive athlete. This guy has so much speed. He moves very well. Great hips, great ankles. He can bend. He can actually run really fast. He has high-end speed. A tremendous athlete. Looking at some of the notes I have here, he's got the strength to hold up in the running game, which is surprising to me, actually, and can reset the line of scrimmage on certain reps. He's good at occupying blockers on stunts and twists, which the Rams obviously love to do. He's shown the ability to rush from speed to power and convert speed to power moves. That is a very important facet here, something I definitely wanted to note. I would like to see a little bit more of his intention with his pass rush plan. Sometimes he just kind of works through the motion. Uh, He generates good power in his bull rush from his lower half. Needs to work on some of that hand usage and develop maybe, you know, a few more rushing moves and counters, but shows the ability to work up the arc, dip his shoulder, bend, and rush with a Gumby-like athleticism. He's got loose hips, good agility, and amazing short area burst. And he's displayed enough of the ability to win up the arc outside through a tackle or across the face of the tackle. And I think when you can win and pair all three of those aspects together, that's why he's so high on my list. He is a special talent, an absolute freak. He's got a lot to work on, but if for whatever reason he's still available where the Rams pick, I think it's a turn in, run up the card type of situation. He would be a massive get for the Rams across from Leonard Floyd at the edge position. Moving on to the second name is wide receiver Rondale Moore, and we're going to dive right into the notes here. He's tiny. I mean, he's five foot seven, just measured in five foot seven at his pro day. I think 180 pounds, but an absolute freak of an athlete. Maybe the best athlete in this class. Pretty much runs a 4.39, vertical jumps over 40 inches, lined up both inside and outside the numbers. Does a good job of tracking the football in the air. Athleticism off the charts. You can't even talk about it. The only issue, he was schemed a lot of production, a lot of screens and jet sweeps, not a lot of downfield usage or routes required out of him, but a ton of short area burst can shake guys off the line of scrimmage. I'm concerned about whether he can consistently play through contact because we never really got to see him actually run a lot of those routes like a legitimate receiver should. You look at some of the other things, I think he can effectively eat up cushions from cornerbacks and stack defensive backs pretty easily. He can be a good kick returner and punt returner at the next level. Yards after the catch is his game. The dude is an absolute weapon in the open field. You cannot tackle him on the first attempt. The second attempt, absolute tackle-breaking machine. His money is going to be made there, no question about it. Does a good job with tempo in his releases and routes, and it helps him shake guys coming off of the line of scrimmage. You know, I think he can attack leverage. I've seen enough out of him to be comfortable with the projection going into the next level. To me, he looks like a Golden Tate Jr. style of player on steroids. That's what I wrote here. With a little bit more high-end athleticism. Would be a weapon for Sean McVay on both phases of the game. Wide receiver, running back, coming out of the backfield, jet sweeps, gadget-like player. Can use him downfield and then can use him on kick return and punt returns as well. I think that match would be insane. Moving to the next name in a very popular one for the Rams and Rams fans, center Creed Humphrey. He was a good study for me. I think I feel comfortable about having Landon Dickerson ahead of him when it comes to the center positional rankings, but Humphrey is a very good player in his own right. Very good at using leverage and angles and positioning to block guys in the running game. Extremely powerful anchor that hardly allows him to give up ground or get moved in pass protection. Strong hands, very active, shoots for good placement, 
performed very well at the Senior Bowl, was very impressed in that regard. I think he can climb to the second level, locate his targets, seal those guys out. Very cerebral player. You know, he doesn't have any issues passing off stunts, effectively grabs oncoming rushers. I think he's limited athletically and doesn't have the best agility. That short area stuff is going to bother him, I think, a little bit. And he's a legitimate phone booth style of player, but he does have good torque and hip strength, and that allows him to turn out defensive linemen. And that's why I'm still excited about the prospect of a guy like Creed Humphrey potentially falling to the Rams at one of their draft picks. Going into the last segment, we're going to highlight the last few names that I scouted that I want to share with you guys. Maybe some guys that aren't necessarily going to make it to the Rams range, but guys that could very well be two of the biggest weapons coming out of this draft class. And while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked On Rams podcast every day for the rest of the offseason because we're not going to slow down on our coverage for the Los Angeles Rams. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline even has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's also the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. Just go ahead to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for sticking around to make it to this third segment. And I did mention before the break that we're going to continue with our Big Board Thursday update. Though, these two names I decided to leave off the Big Board simply because I just don't think there's going to be any chance whatsoever of these guys reaching the Rams pick. Now, that doesn't actually preclude me from wanting to study these guys. I still think there's value in actually watching these guys, getting a good idea of the comparison of certain positions. Like one of these guys is a tight end, tight end Kyle Pitts. One of them was a receiver. And it's going to be good to be able to compare certain receivers like Rondale Moore, who I've watched, some of the other names like Dwayne Eskridge, who are on the big board, to the names that you know maybe go in the top 10, top 15, top 20, wherever it may be. You get a good indication of, well, these guys stack up well in this regard. They don't stack up well in this regard. Why did this guy go so many picks earlier? Why did this guy go so many picks later? I think it's a very good exercise to use and utilize going into the draft. And that's why I watch some of these players. Also, you can take these notes and utilize them going into your fantasy drafts, your dynasty drafts, all that good stuff. So the first name, like I mentioned, was tight end Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Special, special player, special movement skills. You really never see tight ends like him come out very often. That's how good he is. You know, he's not a George Kittle. He's not going to pancake guys at the line of scrimmage, but that doesn't mean he's not a very solid blocker again, because he can generate a lot of torque from those legs, a lot of drive from those legs, and he does actually use very good positioning in blocking, and he's definitely willing to do it. It's not his strong suit, but at the end of the day, it's also not going to be some massive weakness in his game, so that's obviously ideal. But you're drafting Kyle Pitts because of the movement skills and the ball skills and the ball production that he's going to give your offense. The dude is a special player, pretty much can be considered a wide receiver, but bigger, stronger, Maybe not faster, but definitely faster than most tight ends, I'll tell you that. 
Let's dive into some of the notes that I've made here. First thing, insane athlete at the tight end position. Like I mentioned, freak. Not many issues blocking, typically wins with positioning, but has the power and leg drive necessary to take on Sam linebackers and is best used as a move blocker in split zone. Think of a guy like Tyler Habe, a guy like Gerald Everett, not going to overpower guys, but they can move around, locate guys and actually seal them off effectively. Runs tremendous route stems, great at reading defenders leverage and using it against them. Super explosive in and out of breaks, strong plant foot that helps create instant separation in and out of his breaks. Smooth route runner. Great hands and can win in contested catch situations. Good at stepping on a defensive back's toes and eating up space and cushions. He can stack working vertical. Can be utilized everywhere on the field. Capable of lining up outside the numbers. And can play as a pseudo wide receiver. Active hands coming off the line of scrimmage to help keep his chest free. And the one area that I would just like to see a little bit more of is he could use a few more releases in his release package. But as you can probably imagine, these notes were damn positive the dude is a freak i mean an incredibly advanced player an incredibly advanced route runner he's going to win in the nfl in my opinion from day one not going to be an option for the rams he's probably going to go in the top 10 picks absolutely should and i'm not even a guy who normally suggests taking a tight end that early moving on to the last name wide receiver jalen waddle out of alabama one of the most exciting prospects in this draft class He obviously is coming off a injury-prone type of season last year where he couldn't really play all that much. He had a lingering injury that pretty much screwed him over for his final season at Alabama, which was very unfortunate. But man, this guy has enough tape to go around. Not only that, but you flick on one of his games and immediately you see what makes him special. The comparison for him is to Tyreek Hill. And as you can imagine, that probably means he's freaking fast and he's agile and he's going to make guys look like fools running vertical and getting in the open field. And that's exactly what he did. Does a great job at attacking leverage. He's kind of a question mark versus press coverage. I didn't get to see it all that much. And I think if I can recall, I watched three entire game films on him. So I would love to see a little bit more in that regard. But at the end of the day, You know, this is still a guy that can come off the line of scrimmage. I want to see some of his release packages versus press. I would be interested to see just how developed he is in that regard. But man, he could track the ball. He can pull in contested catches, wins at the catch point. His ability to throttle gears when running routes is absolutely absurd. I don't think I've seen anything like it in quite some time. I don't know how teams are going to be able to cover this guy. I don't know how corners even stand a chance. I think they're going to be at a disadvantage from day one. And it makes a lot of sense because his twitch, his explosion, his burst, all are insane. So hard to cover, so hard to stick with. That's going to be a guy that's going to get open a whole lot in the NFL. His rocker step and hezzy, aka hesitation moves during routes are super dangerous. Create a ton of explosion when planting with his plant foot. Played a lot in the slot, but he can line up outside absolutely. Has that game-breaking speed like a Tyree kill, and he can stack defensive backs vertically with absolute ease, no questions asked. Eats up cushions between he and defensive backs immediately. Yak weapon, meaning yards after the catch, by way of speed and elusiveness. Not really strength or tackle-breaking ability, but either way, gets it done. And at the end of the day, a good route runner, his ability to throttle his speeds, attack leverage, his rocker step, all these different things with space to become even better as a route runner. This guy is going to be a wide receiver one, in my opinion, for somebody. 
a special talent, a guy who is going to be an absolute low to handle for any cornerback in the NFL. And he wasn't listed on the big board like Pitts because I think he's going to go inside the top 15, top 20 guaranteed, maybe even the top 10 could be the first wide receiver off the board. But at the end of the day, it's good to watch these guys get a comparison for other wide receivers that we did watch, get an idea of what this draft class may have. And ultimately, you never really know if the Rams do decide to trade up. Probably not likely. I don't think there's really a good chance that that happens. Much, much more likely they end up trading back. But we're going to watch as many prospects as we can. And that brings us to the end of the episode here. That's all we got for you guys in this one. Make sure to check back in with us on 